you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. Good morning. Greetings to you in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So uh, you'll be glad to know that I'm not using a huge laptop here on stage today. So thanks to my brother Andrew for sponsoring his iPad. (laughs) Nevertheless, um, it is honestly a privilege and and a joy to, uh, to be given this opportunity to share with you the word of Christ this morning. But uh, before we begin, let me just pray and ask God to soften our hearts to receive it and that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart will be pleasing to him. So yes, Father, we come to you in Christ's name this morning, thanking you yet again for the privilege of of being able to gather like this. Uh, Father, despite the bad weather, you have still enabled us who are here to be present and ready to hear your word, O God. Your word that goes out and never returns back to you void. May it convict our hearts, O God, and lead us to repentance and cause us, Father, especially whether in this Advent season or beyond, to give you glory and to witness to who you are in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So as it was read earlier and as it will come up on the screen as we go, the topic, as you may say today, is embracing the heavenly announcement. Now, I thought it was a fresh um, perspective to look at the announcement as a whole. So let me start by asking, how often is it that when you get an announcement, it makes you want to jump up for joy and go tell everyone that comes into sight. Not that often, right? Not that often. Perhaps it's, uh, there have been times that you have gotten an announcement that has made you leap for joy, but let's be real. Most people today don't feel the need or want to share good news out loud. Maybe for fear of criticism um, or for fear that others will envy you or jeopardize this this joy of the announcement that you're having. Whatever the case may be, I want to tell you, church, that there is an announcement from the Lord that was given 2,000 plus years ago. And even to this day, it is an announcement that brings good news of great joy, as we just read, to anyone who's willing to listen. And it's also the duty of those who have received this good news to continue to share it with those who might not have already heard it. So today I want to examine Dr. Luke's account on this heavenly announcement that was given to just some ordinary folk. Okay? And I've broken this down into three parts. Um, and the three points are, number one, God's divine revelation to the ordinary. And number two is... Fear transformed into joy. And the final one is responding in faith and being a witness. So let's dive right into it. God's divine revelation to the ordinary. Let me first begin by saying thanks be to God that the modern world that we live in today does not discriminate against blue-collar jobs. 
After all, where would many of us, emphasis on us, be without these individuals? And when I say us, I'm pretty sure you know who you are. Those of us who are challenged with handiwork, like perhaps putting up a curtain rod, or maybe changing the batteries on your, um, on your smoke detectors. Don't, don't do that. Please do change your batteries. But take the shepherds from the era Christ was born in, okay? They were not given much regard. You could say that they were part of the blue collar of that era. Um, additionally, these groups of people did not have much influence or prestige in society and were considered just basic or, you could say, ordinary people. So here we are, okay, at the scene where some shepherds are keeping watch or keeping guard of their sheep at night. And as you might know, sheep are very much dependent on their shepherd's care and the vigilance of the shepherd, right, since they are unable to do that for themselves. And so it seems like a very typical night. Um, the shepherds are probably just reclining by a tree or having some small talk with each other. And then suddenly, an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines all around them. Can you imagine the shock these guys might have been feeling? An angel just appears out of nowhere, and you're like, okay, what do I do? The shock and the fear and the trembling. But here's an interesting point. See, the angel did not appear to scribes, scholars, rabbis, or dignitaries, right? Instead, here is God sending the greatest news the world has ever received to these blue-collar workers. Those who were not wealthy, those who have no academic advantages. And James, the brother of Jesus, uh, says this in a very beautiful way. I want you to take a look at it on the screen as it comes up. James 2, verse 5. It says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Amazing, isn't it? You see, the lack of money or status does not take away the opportunity to commune with God. In fact, the things of God's kingdom are often hidden from the great and powerful and revealed to the poor and the humble. And in this instance, God chose to reveal this good news to these low-class shepherds, which signifies that the lowly or weak are called before the strong, wise, and powerful. The saying is true, church, that the last are often first, and the first last. Therefore, let this be a nudge, if you may, to all of us to humble ourselves whether in, in this season or beyond, no matter our walks of life. The, you see, the I know it all complex, you know, whether it's knowing the word of God, or having memorized scripture, whatever it is. You see, the scribes, they knew the word so well, right? But the I know it all complex did not work that well for them, did it? They missed an opportunity of the good news of great joy. And I love the story that Pastor Ronald shared yesterday. And being a BMW enthusiast, I was devastated, right? Just to see this guy losing out on a brand new BMW. But nevertheless, that's not the point. The point is the opportunity was missed, okay? But let's circle back now to the shepherds. So these guys are probably in terror, right? They're the, perhaps the biggest jump scare of their lives, 
the biggest jump scare, just having these angels appear to them suddenly, which brings us to the second point. Fear transformed into joy. Now, I know the thing that will come up on the screen, I just couldn't find appropriate pictures of some of our church members, so I chose to use this to be a little bit more level plain. But nevertheless, it's showing fear and joy, okay? Fear and joy. Okay, now, I, I know that some of us here uh, this morning cannot deal with jump scares. My wife is one of them. I've tried it, and I've failed miserably many times. Uh, nevertheless, jump scares... Like when someone pops out from behind the door and makes uh, weird-sounding noises to kind of heighten that fear. Again, you know who you are. Uh, but interestingly, some of our church members are, uh, find, it, find it interesting to make me a victim of this. Perhaps they're preparing me in case an angel appears, right? But nevertheless, such an encounter can be pretty frightening, right? After not having experienced something like that, just to have such a glorious thing just appear in front of you, can paralyze the victim and with fear and trembling. But this visit by the angel was not to instill fear, church. Rather, it was to announce the best and the greatest news of all time. Let's take a moment just to play back the events that have taken place so far throughout the birth of Christ, right? And as Pastor Ronald says most of the time, it's pictured in the theater of your mind. Now, the name of the angel that appeared to the shepherd is not mentioned, but let's go with a hunch and, and, and say that it could have been the common angelic messenger, okay? As you know, he had a lot to do with making arrangements for the birth of Christ, right? The appearing to Mary, giving the news to Joseph. So now that the main task is done, the child is born safely wrapped in, in swaddling cloth, probably had a little bit of a cry, and is laid to sleep in the manger. Now, it's profound, even as I say this, church, that God had taken on the form of man, right? Born in the likeness of men so that he might redeem them. What a privilege is it to know this truth. But not just know this truth, but to know it and believe it. And so the angel is now tasked with bringing this good news to all of humanity. This good news was about to take away the spiritual darkness the world was in for 4,000 years. This good news was to announce that the captives of sin were about to be set free, were about to be given liberty. The blind were to receive sight, the ungodly about to be justified for Christ's sake, and the head of Satan about to be crushed. Amen? Amen. See, church, the knowledge of God was no longer to be limited to the Jews, but to be shared with the entire world. Thus, the angel sent by God declares to the shepherds that indeed this news was good news of great joy. No news in all of human history, church, would have ever deserved the term good in comparison to this. See verse 11 as it comes up on the screen. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What an amazing scene this might have been when fear transformed into joy. And we, the church, have the privilege of being able to celebrate this good news daily in our lives. So coming back to the scene again with the, with the shepherds, they have now been told that the Savior, Jesus Christ, has been born. Okay? But what's interesting is how the angel gives direction 
for them to locate the Savior. You see, in a, in a typical situation, the birth of any royalty, any royal baby, would be one that is announced on all media platforms, correct? So that the entire world will know of it, rejoice with it, and, and celebrate. But leaving aside the announcement just for a moment, you would think that a royal baby would at least be in a comfortable uh, fabric in a comfortable room, in a comfortable bed, and have the finest things. Or maybe he would have people waiting and, and wanting to attend to his every need. Yet here's the Lord Jesus, born in a stable, wrapped in some cloth that was available, not in the comfort of a crib or a bed, rather in a manger that is used to feed animals. The profound humility that the creator of all things, the creator of all matter, would have no proper place to lay his head. So no wonder the shepherds needed specifics on where they would find this Lord Jesus, as the angel says in verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. After all, Bethlehem, as we all know it, was fully occupied Right? There was no room for Mary and Joseph. And to try to locate an infant in a crowd like that would pro probably be nearly impossible. You see, in no way or form was the birth of Jesus Christ glamorous from you know, a worldly perspective. But it was by far the most distinguished and remarkable event of all time. Why? Because it is the profound display of his humility. See, the King of kings and the Lord of lords come to save the hell-bound man from eternal damnation, but born in a stable and laid in a manger. How amazing is that? A thing to note, however, is that Christ being born in a stable um, with no glamour did not stop, as we read, the heavenly host from glorifying God in perhaps one of the greatest doxologies ever heard on this earth. How marvelous a spectacle that might have been, church. Can you imagine a choir of, of angels just levitating in the sky with angelic voices, harmonies and notes like never heard before, all just coming together and glorifying God and also congratulating mankind for what God has done for them. See, church, the angels who appeared to sing of Christ's birth, they actually, they represent a lesson of obedience and finding joy in the Lord for all of us believers. Just a few, uh, just a few to take note of. They are good servants of the Lord. And all that their master does pleases and interests them so much so that they rejoice in knowing the privilege of heaven, but also they rejoice in the hope that the doors of heaven will be open to us who are being saved. So here's the question for us to reflect on this morning. As a result of being the recipient of this good news, how do we respond in faith and witness to this truth? How do we respond in faith and witness to this truth? Let's go back to the scene with the shepherds and examine how they responded in faith as we go to the third point. Now, after having announced the birth of the Lord Jesus, 
The angel has now, the angels have now gone away, right? They've gone into heaven. But put yourself in the scene and just think, what would you have done in a moment like that? You just received some amazing news with like an entire choir just declaring it. And now you're just standing there after they've gone. What do you do? I'm sure the shepherds were just awestruck, right? First, to witness this glorious choir up in the sky. And second, to hear that the promised Messiah was being born. But here's what really shows how these shepherds responded in faith. See, before the appearing of the angel with the good news, these shepherds, were what, what were they doing? They were caring for their sheep, their livelihood, right? Now, it would make sense to say this because it was their source of income, right? By means by which they sustained themselves and perhaps their families. So when they made the decision to go and see the Lord, they were not just risking their income, but they were also risking their sheep being attacked by predators, right? Yet, these shepherds did not spend time contemplating or debating who should go or when they should go. Rather, they agreed among themselves that they must go. They must go. And also, they, they did not speak doubtfully, right? They didn't say, oh, let's go see what might have happened, right? They didn't say, let's go see, okay, it could have happened, let's go see if, if it really did happen. No, they say, let us go see what has already taken place, right? They say, let us go see what has already taken place. See verse 15, when he says, when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, church, as strange of an experience this might have been for these shepherds, they acted in faith, but also with haste. And there was no doubt, there was no hesitation whatsoever, because the message that was delivered from God was steadfast and unquestionably true. And you know what? Every ounce of this good news, every ounce of it, is readily available today in your Bibles and in, or in your phone apps. We do not need to wait, church, for some glamorous display of glorious events to take place for us to receive this good news of great joy. But what good is it if you receive this good news but don't act on it? It will be like switching on a light bulb but taking the cover, painting it full black, and then putting it back on. It makes absolutely no sense, right? But thanks be to God for the example that these shepherds have set. Let's take a look at the actions here in verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, as I mentioned before, these shepherds were not contemplating whether or not to go. Rather, they, they were prompt to respond in faith to the good news by getting there with haste. But just allow yourself for a moment to visualize their journey, okay? They just got the news, and now they've decided they're going to go, but just picture their journey to see the Lord. Right after the angel had left, the shepherds begin making their way through, you know, a huge crowd. 
Remember, at this point, the city of Bethlehem was, was filled because so many people had to come in, those who were not just residing, but those from other cities had to make their way for the census. Every inn was booked, every motel, uh, every Airbnb probably taken up, right? Perhaps there were some who even slept on their carts, their traveling carts, while they waited for the census to take place. But we can also assume that the angel who declared this news to Jesus, about Jesus, gave an indication as to where exactly they would find a baby in a stable, laid in a manger. So here they are, finally at the stable, seeing the Lord Jesus probably peacefully sleeping. But with all that excitement that brought them here, I'm sure the the shepherds along with Mary and Joseph were able to share the story which led them there. You know, interestingly, for these shepherds, I just need to make this note very clear here. For them, seeing the Lord in such a state of materialistic poverty probably did not shock them, right? Because they too came from a very low socioeconomic status, right? They were the lowest of the lowest. So seeing the Lord in a stable in the manger probably was not shocking. But imagine if they had to go to a mansion. Imagine if they had to go to a palace to visit the Lord. They would feel very insignificant. They would not be able to walk into the palace. They probably would not even be welcomed, right? Truthfully, church, I I don't know how many of you might be financially struggling today, uh, specifically during this season, but I want to encourage any of you that if you remain faithful and obedient to his word, he will not put you to shame. You know, I remember a time when, when, my, when my parents and I were new to the country, a uh, few short years into our residency, we had to uh, deal with a pretty serious health issue that uh, suddenly came up, and as a result of it, uh, a loss of several months of income. There came a point where we did not know where the next month's rent would come from, or be able to even think of how food would get on the table. But God, but God. I stand here today giving glory to God alone because he provided for the month's rent, and has not put us to shame since. And I'm not ashamed to say this, that even in the most difficult of circumstances, we had the privilege of communing with the Lord. We did not have the means of celebrating every event or every celebration for that matter. But we had the good news of great joy awaiting us and the privilege of being cared for by His people. Likewise, these shepherds that came to see the Lord, even though they were materialistically poor, they had just come face to face, church, with the greatest and most precious treasure that they would ever receive in the world. Just think about it. For all they know, their herd of sheep could have been attacked, eaten, or, or lost. But here they are, satisfied and joyful of what they had witnessed. But it does not stop there. See, these, these shepherds actually became the first gospel preachers. But how? See verse 17 and 18. And when they saw it, they made known the thing that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it 
wondered at what these shepherds told them. First off, there's, there's reason to believe that these shepherds shared with Mary and Joseph about their encounter, right? As we discussed earlier, encounter with the angel and the choir that appeared in glory in the sky. After all, both of them, Mary and Joseph and the Lord, were in a very unassuming place. So who in their right minds or who would just assume and just wander into a stable to find a baby? So we have good reason to believe that they probably shared each other's stories and their own encounter of receiving this good news of great joy. However, these shepherds, they did not just contain this news among themselves. Imagine what a sad story that would have been. You know, they received this amazing news, like angelic hosts singing and glorifying God, and then they're like, okay, and they've gone back to their lives. It's such a boring story, right? But here we are. They could not contain it, but they shared it with as many as they ran into. Imagine after having witnessed all of that, how could they have just kept silent or quiet? You see, church, it's like when you become a new believer. I know most of us here might have, remember that if you, if you didn't become a believer in your early days or if you came to know the Lord later in your life. You remember that delight in sharing about Christ and what he has done for you and how he has changed you. There's so much excitement, joy, and, and just willingness, right, to just go out there and share the gospel with friends, family, and people that you might have not spoken to in years why? Because the good news cannot be contained. Cannot be contained. Just think of the impact this would have on those whom you share the good news with. And assuming that they knew who you were prior to coming to know the Lord. Just seeing your enthusiasm to share who he is to you would probably prompt them to wonder what is the cause or the reason for this person to be so zealous and to speak with so much joy and love and passion in their heart. Church, let me be clear. Sharing of the gospel with joy and enthusiasm isn't just for new believers. In fact, as you mature in the faith and you grow in the knowledge of Christ with zeal, it should multiply. Right? As the years go on, as the days go by, as the months go by, it should multiply that you are all the more equipped and joyful in sharing this good news. Sadly, however, the cares of the world, the lust of the flesh, it tends to draw that, that light that once burned bright away from us. Let us not fall prey to this. Let us not fall prey, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. For the glory that is yet to be revealed in the second advent is far more greater than this world can ever offer. It is far more greater, the hope that you could ever imagine. So let us continue to run this race faithfully and fight against the schemes of the devil and sin. And see, in the last two verses, it says that Mary treasured up all that had happened and reflected on it in her heart. Rightfully so, right? I'm sure every mother that is here today can, can relate to this delicate and beautiful expression that a mother never forgets the crucial moments of their child's life and truly treasures them until their last breath. And finally, the shepherd returned glorifying God. 
they return glorifying God. It's interesting that they who witnessed this amazing angelic choir giving glory, while they were probably in shock, right? Now they return after seeing the promised Messiah in the same fashion, simply glorifying God. After all, what else could they have done after receiving this good news of great joy? So as I bring this message to a close, I just want to highlight these three points as we walk through, as we looked at our call to embrace and share the good news. The first point as we looked at, God's divine revelation was first to the ordinary. We also saw how fear transformed into joy. And finally, we looked at how the shepherds responded in faith and witnessed. Today, if you're seated here this morning or if you're watching online and you think that you are nobody, why would God want anything to do with you? My friends, I want you to know that he's not looking for you to be well put together. He's not looking for you to have your act together in life or polished up. Rather, if you surrender your life to him today in obedience... He will equip you and make you extraordinary in his kingdom to share this good news of great joy. Or maybe you're someone who once was a part of sharing this good news with others and being part of this good news. But somewhere along the way, the cares of the world has choked you and the enticement has sin has captivated you. And now you wonder... How do I ever come back to him? Let me encourage and remind you that he is a God who has given you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth, fifth, sixth. And he is waiting and watching for his daughter and his son to repent and come back. Where there is joy, love, peace, contentment forevermore. And lastly... To my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, let us once again remember that fiery passion we had when we first came to the Lord as he called to us. The zeal, the willingness, the love we carried with us as we spoke of God and the good news and what he has done in our lives through Jesus. And may we ask that he would restore to us this joy as we seek first his kingdom and embrace and share this good news of great joy. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may Christ himself be the center of all our celebration now in this Advent season and beyond. And beyond that we will seek him in all the days of our lives. May God bless you.